All right. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. This is Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke Lamastra. Appreciate you guys so much for taking the time to check out this episode. And I'm so stoked. I don't even know what to do with myself. I've got George A. Wood, a.k.a. the Tattooed Pastor, uh, and Britt Eaton joining me for this episode, co-authors of The Uncovery, which if you've listened to this podcast in the past, um, you've probably heard me shouting the praises of this book. Britt and George have both been on the podcast in the past, and we've had conversations about um, the book, The Uncovery, Understanding the Power of Community to Heal Trauma. It's an amazing book that I think everybody should get their hands on if they haven't already. And uh, we're here today to talk about, well, we'll see what we end up talking about, but I know we're going to start off talking about a brand new project that they have um, that's almost ready to be released. We'll get all the information and the details on that. But uh, thank you guys so much. There it is. There it is. <laughs> so big, man. It's big. It's thick. That thing is huge. Are you kidding yeah. me? Dude, I'm yeah. not kidding, man. It's that's not, bigger. It's, than, it's huge. That's thicker than my Bible. I know. Yes. George, it's, George it is the new Bible. Yes. This is the Uncovery <laughs> devotional, just for those of you who are tuning in with no context. <laughs> So we, George just got his first copies uh, delivered yesterday, and we, up to that moment, had not seen, like, how yeah. big is the book? We knew how long mm. it was because we wrote it, and it was, we knew that it was almost double the content of the original book. But then when we saw it, we were like, holy cow, like, this is, <laughs> this, this is, is like, a, this is a, a normal size book here. That's, that's right. a size <laughs> comparison, right? Yeah. It's like, crazy. Yeah. It's intimidating. It's intimidating all the other books Aww. books on the bookshelf. But so here's the, here's the thing with this devotional. It's not something that you sit and have to like dig into. It's not like we're giving you a book on systematic theology mm. or something. This is a 365 daily application of concepts from the uncovery to use as you are walking out your own recovery journey or loving and leading somebody through theirs. So don't let the size intimidate you. Let it make you feel excited because no matter what day of the year it is, you're going to be able to jump in and find some really helpful, really encouraging content to help you continue on your walk 365 yeah, days that's crazy <laughs> that's incredible so, thank you i guys thought we, i this. thought we would do like a little a little example here what is today's date today is the 29th of uh today is the 29th september so if, 29th yeah, september yes yes duke today is september so if uh <laughs> September 29th, if you had the Uncovery devotional, it is on Despised and Rejected. Talks all about Jesus and right how he was despised and rejected. Now, what's awesome is it's like there's going to come a time in our faith and recovery journey that we feel the sting of rejection. It happens to all of us. But knowing this does not make it any easier. That's how it starts off and hmm. goes into how it, when we're in recovery, we we lose jobs and relationships when people find out about our addictive patterns in the past mm -hmm. and how we seem to always be living in this shadow of what we've done wrong in the past. And it sometimes can like make you feel very rejected by society and by life. Mm -hmm. But who else was rejected and despised? Jesus was. And, and yeah. the devotional goes into how we can look at his life as this example of, of what it means to walk a life out even when you feel that way. And it's just, um, you know, it's it's just I am um, so proud of this work and um, 
I think it's really going to be life-changing for, for people that get their hands on it. I told a friend today, it's, it's literally everything I know about recovery and faith. Hmm. So I don't know wow. if I know much. So I guess that's up for debate, but I can honestly say it's everything I know. So there's well, nothing 17 years, there. 17 years into your journey, I think you know a thing or two. So we'll go with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Powerful. It, it, it's amazing. I'm so I'm just so grateful to you guys for for doing this because I know the first one was a labor mm-hmm. of love mm-hmm. and writing the uncovery, uh, really doing it together, but but from a distance because you guys don't mm-hmm. live in the same place right. and just going through that whole process. And, and I know it I know it, it took a lot. And, I, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that even just on the basis of the kind of things that you're sharing in the book, I know that it's not just even the time factor, but it's also like the, I I would just imagine there's the emotional factor, just like the heaviness of putting it together and kind of like even the burden that you're carrying to say, Hey, like, I want to make sure that we're putting something out that's going to help to lead people into freedom. And it, Mm -hmm. and it's just like that taking that, that, that burden that is from the Lord, to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do something because it's the the Lord is leading us down this path because we want to ultimately help people to walk in and to experience greater levels of freedom. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just uh, I'm I'm just so so uh, appreciative of of what you guys have done. Would you take a moment and and either one of you could do this? Let's let's do this. How about would one of you take a moment to just share from your perspective, just to give kind of a, a synopsis of what the uncovery is and then if the other one wants to do the same thing but like with this uh the workbook the devotional excuse me does, does mm-hmm. that make sense so yeah. however, however y'all want to yeah. divvy that up awesome George, yeah. why don't you cover the book? yeah um i think you know um the uncovery really is um to me it, it is it's a lot more of a personal journey and experiences that for me, led me to this understanding that part of what keeps people um, in addiction and struggling with mental health and struggling with suicidal thoughts and and the trauma of life is this feeling that um, somehow they have to make themselves right, that somehow they have to fix themselves and and they can never seem to do that. And um, society also looks at them like, why don't you get your crap together? Why don't you figure this mm. out? When, you know, for me in my journey of all these years of being in full-time ministry and in recovery, um, have come to the understanding that we are already perfect, holy, and blameless in Christ Jesus, right? That before the foundations of the world, he tells us this. And so when we can understand that our identity in him is already everything it already needs to be, that the rest of this begins to, to make sense in, in, a whole, in a whole different way, right? Yeah. And for me, that is the uncovery. We're trying to uncover the identity that God gave us from the foundations of the world and then walking that out rather than trying to recover some broken identity that was never going to be enough even if we got it right, it wasn't enough in yes. the beginning and it was never going to be enough anyways. And so that is sort of, for me, what the uncovery journey mm-hmm. is. And even as a counselor and, and a coach now, I actually have what I call the uncovery method, which is 
really helping people come to the understanding that they're already everything they ever need to be, right, in mm. Christ Jesus. And instead of when a person comes to a coach or a counselor and they're like, please make me into something. So you don't need to be made into something. You need to understand who you already are. And when we can That's understand good. who we already are, that changes everything because it yeah. makes it makes our life begin to make sense in a way that we never even thought possible. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so good. And I, just to jump in on that, and, and, I, and mm-hmm. I think that that identity component with anything that we're talking about is so key because when we don't understand our identity and we don't understand who we really are in that place that we're coming from, and as you said, like when it becomes this thing of, well, I need to do this, I need to be this way, I need to become this, I need to satisfy this whatever this fit into this box or fit into this structure then it's always like we're always doing that uphill kind of thing we're always fighting against something and it becomes where it's really fighting against who we are because we don't understand Mm -hmm. who we are and Mm -hmm. i've been fortunate to have a couple of conversations on the podcast recently with some uh, some experts that have, that work in the area of uh, helping human trafficking survivors and or excuse me helping rescue people out of human trafficking and in particular mm-hmm. they help restore people and mm-hmm. and and one of the things that came up and that's come up a couple of times throughout those conversations is look if we pull people out if we rescue people out of human trafficking um, and they've been in it for a long time What's happened is a a complete shift in their identity, or maybe they've never understood their identity because the unfortunate thing that happens in that world is that a lot of times it's victims of abuse that then get get swept up into human trafficking. It's just kind of a a normal, not that it's that way for everybody, but it's kind of a natural pattern that that occurs Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. So a lot of people have never understood who they are. And so all of their worth and all their value, their identity, the way they see themselves, it's all kind of wrapped up in this is what people have done to me. This is what people have said that I'm worth. This is the the thing that's been put on me. And so what they've said is that if you come out of that kind of world, you come out of that kind of an atmosphere and you don't actually go through some kind of a process of having your identity yeah. restored, then mm-hmm. you're actually, it's almost every, it's almost every, it's like, probably upwards of 90% of people are going to go back into that life. That's so destructive. Mm -hmm. And so it's so bad, but it's the thing that they identify with. And so what you're saying there is, is that it's just, it's so key for anything that we're talking about when we're talking about recovery, when when we're talking about being restored, it's that understanding that, that piece of identity so that we're not fighting against a mindset forever that we're not fighting against mm-hmm. something to try to like white knuckle our way into freedom, but it's actually coming from a place of, of real identity. It's coming from a place of, of who we are and we've understood who we are through that process. So that's, um, love. What well, it, 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 it literally, it, it to sum it up into like recovery terms, it, it's literally, you know, um, the law of attraction, we attract what we think we deserve. Um, and for, for all these years, you know, in recovery, it's been based upon things like relapse prevention. And um, this is how you don't get high. This is how you don't use these drugs. This is how, you know, because you're this bad person, you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you're, you're mentally crazy. 
And these are the things that you need to do to somehow fit into society as a drug addict, as an alcoholic, and as a mentally crazy person, right? Using all this terminology that's, you know, barbaric and archaic. But the reality is none of that works. And this is why recovery has failed for as long as it has failed is because it's all about preserving a false identity of brokenness in order to somehow um, fit into society the way that society is comfortable with you, right? When it's, that's, that's not freedom for one. Um, it's not why Jesus died on the cross. It is not a fulfilled life. It is a, it is a person that has learned to just shut down part of their senses so that they can still live out this broken identity where mm -hmm. It's like helping a person understand that they're not that person in the first place. It changes everything. And the same thing about whoever it is you were talking to about, you know, rescuing people out of, you know, that industry. It's the same principle in recovery. Why people go back to getting high. And it's not typically just because they want to get high. It's because they think they belong there. This is where I belong. This is who my people are. I, I am this person. They can't even begin to see themselves as being anything more than that. And when we can help a person understand that they've always been something more than that, they've always been better than they could realize, then, then it's not even about what you can earn on your own with all your hard work. It's about understanding what you've already been given. Come on. That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Britt, Britt, would you share um, your thoughts? And if there's anything you want to, yeah. of course, piggyback on that, go for it. And if not, yeah. then uh, then then I'd love to hear um, when, or when we get to it, I'd love to hear also kind of what this does, what the Uncovery devotional does as mm -hmm. a jumping off from the the Uncovery, the, the first book and, and all of that as well. But yeah, your thoughts. Sure. So the first book, uh, the Uncovery, the the sometimes we call it the textbook. <laughs> the book was actually written uh, with an audience of reaching out first to people who were kind of in recovery leadership. We are looking at recovery, even Christ-centered recovery, as an industry in the United States. Mm. We've kind of been doing it the same for about the last hundred years, and. Things are a lot different than they were 100 years ago. Even when we were developing some, at the time, like breakthrough programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12-step programs, this concept was brand new and it was effective at the time. But these were still very shame-based programs. It's not about bad-mouthing AA. If you love AA, please keep doing it. But for some people, especially in a modern mindset, a lockstep legalistic program is not enough. And in fact, it reinforces sometimes the brokenness uh, of the journey. So when we wrote The Uncovery, we were actually writing it as an invitation to those who not only are walking out their own recovery journey, but who are trying to love and lead other people through theirs to say, what if we thought about recovery a little differently? What if we remove some of the stigmas related to it? What if we said it's not about a process, actually, it's about a lifelong journey toward a promised wow. land life that we were all meant to live based on our identity, based on who God wanted us to be when he created us. It reaffirms some of the things that Gosh, sometimes the church even struggles to articulate like the the beauty of what it means to be in Christ, the the 
pureness, the holiness that we have access to. So in writing that book, uh, the first book, you know, George and I were, we weren't really surprised, but we, were, we it was kind of affirmed that it was a bit shocking <laughs> to some leaders out there to be like, what do you mean our AA program on Friday nights isn't enough? And we're like, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. We are saying, though, that there's more. And when we're talking about the power of community to heal trauma, we're not really talking about another program. We're not really talking about your Friday night meetings. We're saying, what are we doing as Christ-centered community to let people know that they belong before they even know what to believe? So that we've had some adoption of this idea. At least it started a conversation in the church, which is really exciting. And we used to say when we first submitted the manuscript that if 5% of the church even got a hold of this, it would start a revolution. And I believe that's already happening, which is the beautiful part. But the biggest opportunity we knew we had after writing that first book that was really geared a little bit more toward leadership and people who were maybe a little bit into their recovery, knowing that there had to be more, we knew we needed something more practical, more applicable. And we knew that people would finish the uncovery and then say, okay, and now what? Now what do we do? <laughs> and so there's a balance when you look at a giant concept like recovery in the church. There's definitely going to be a corporate mindset. Those of us who are in leadership are always thinking about the flock. What kinds of systems and structures do we need to set up to break down systemic uh systemic issues? What do we need to do in order to shift cultures to be more open to create spaces for people to love and to to that we love to heal? That's one thing. But then there's also this element, a spiritual discipline of walking through your own recovery journey. That's not something that you can ignore. Even leaders who are walking in a 20-year sober kind of environment cannot afford to relax on their own personal journey. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go to an AA meeting every day or that you have to like walk through some lockstep legalistic programming. No, but you are going to need regular rhythms, spiritual disciplines to step into that says, I'm choosing to make my recovery, my healing a priority every day. And so whether you are walking out your own recovery journey, or if you're going through the incredible, incredibly difficult and challenging process of loving and leading someone else through theirs, the Uncovery Devotional has 365 days of encouragement, solutions, and daily support to help you along that journey. So if you are someone walking out your own recovery journey, the good news is this is going to maybe replace that like Jesus calling Sarah Young on the side of your bedside table. This might be the new way, a very raw and real way to look at what God might be saying to you today about your recovery journey. But from a corporate standpoint, George and I laugh all the time when we just say, hey, pastors, do you want 365 sermon prompts on trauma-informed healing? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me now, up. Just yeah, after for real. Just as recovery is for everybody, this devotional really is for everybody. It will absolutely challenge you. It will absolutely leave you on a couple of days saying, I don't know if I want to like hug this book or throw it across the room, but there is truth in here that will help develop the resilience in you that you need in order to stay the course on your journey. So we're very excited about that. Now, I know I said some like borderline harsh things about like programs and 12 steps and things like that. And I want to redeem that just for a moment here. 
The beautiful thing about the Uncovery Devotional is we actually decided to take a piece of what was working in traditional recovery and expand upon it. So throughout the 12 months of the Uncovery Devotional journey, you know, going from January all the way through December in the course of a year, we took the 12 steps and took a different look at it as you went. So you might have one month that's focused on uh, reflection. This replaces the fourth step of looking and taking a fearless moral inventory of yourself as you would in a traditional mm. program. Then you have 30 plus days worth of content to dive in and say, what is this really all about beyond checking another box in a process or just doing what my sponsor said to do, etc.? You actually go deep into the whys when it comes to reflection, mm. not to you know perpetuate some negative uh, uh, broken life that led you into a place of needing to be in recovery in the first place, but instead understanding and learning to have grace for yourself so that you can not only ask for forgiveness from the Lord, if need be, and you know, receive that healing, but also learn to forgive yourself and others. Until we're really honest with ourselves about what's happened, we can't do that work. So each month out of the year, it was written with intentionality and is chock full of information on how to go deeper with something like the 12 steps. So honestly, it's not about checking out, I hate this phrase, but like checking out the baby with the bathwater. We're not trying to say don't do traditional recovery programming, but we are looking at the uncovery and saying, this is a way to add on to your journey with some really deep enrichment that George and I believe this is the radical kind of love, the reckless kind of love that God shows up with and delights his people and lets them know just how loved and forgiven they are. So if you want that every day, get this devotional and just keep it on your bedside table. It's big. You can't miss it. <laughs> it's not full of really good content. We can't wait to get it into your hands. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I you know, I, I want to add to it in the sense that um so I am a person in long-term recovery and as a person in long-term recovery, I think one of the things that um I have struggled with is always, you know, you're there's always this idea, there's always this shame that is creeping around in the back of your head, right? That um no matter how much reconciliation and and you know healing you go through, you still wonder why you did the things you did. You wonder mm -hmm. why um, you ended up the way you ended up. And um, for me, the more I've learned about, you know, neuroplasticity and brain trauma and, and just the chemistry of the body and the way that um, the subconscious mind works and, and, the impact of childhood trauma and all of these factors, it's almost like a little bit each time I learn, I'm able to bring that shame into the light and disempower it and, and vanquish it forever in the sense of um, it was a lie from the beginning. And so each one of these, you know, steps, whatever you want to call it, you know, steps or emotionals or you know, months or whatever, I think for a person in long-term long recovery, it will help you to understand yourself on uh, a deeper, more profound level where I forget sometimes because I've lived this for so long that it is truly like revolutionary to people that have just been thinking the same, same way about the same things for so long. 
But there are things in here that will just really open your mind to understand yourself on a deeper level. And when you, you know, there's the basic, you know, when you come into recovery for the first time, you want to not do the things you were doing in order to be a, a better person down the road. But when you can really get to the heart of, you know, why you began in the first place, um, you know, what caused you to go down that path in the first place, it really can help you to be able to, for one, long term, stay the course. Because um, I've been in recovery now for almost 18 years, and I can tell you, I've seen a lot of people fall off at certain points of the journey. And, and so to really stay the course for the long haul, um, the more that you know, the better that you will be served. And mm. I think, you know, for me, everything in this book um, can help you along that journey. And I'm not trying to sell a book. I'm trying to help a person find a life that they didn't know they could have. Yeah. And, and it, obviously along that journey, it will help even those they're not in recovery from anything, recognize that, A, maybe they are in recovery, they just didn't know it, mm -hmm. or B, they should be in recovery and they didn't know mm -hmm. it. And if nothing else, C, give them all that they need in order to support the people around them that are in recovery. Yeah. Would you, would you do me a favor and just define or describe what you mean by recovery? Because that could mean different things to different people. Um, and one of the things yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I've, I've had this conversation with you before, Britt, um, mm -hmm. about how really recovery is for everybody. And I, mm -hmm. I probably had that conversation with both of you. Uh, mm -hmm. But that would look different just in terms of practicality from, for somebody who's, uh, you know, maybe actively dealing with some kind of a, a drug addiction or, or, or something like that. Uh, you know what I mean? So just curious, like if you could uh, just, just help me out. Uh, what, what is it that is that you mean when you say uh, recovery? Yeah. So, I mean, all of us, whether you know it or are willing to acknowledge it or not, we're all recovering from something. You know, we typically think about that being like addiction, but it may just be a painful incident that you're from your past that has shaped the way that you do your day to day. It's become a daily challenge just to get by something is holding us back from the promised land life that God wants us to have. And if we are all sinners at some level in need of a savior, we are all in recovery if we are in Christ, because we have been delivered from an old broken mindset that we are now continuing to come into alignment with the purity and the holiness that we now have in Christ. The problem is we're human. And even if we believe it, in thought, it takes our hearts some time to catch up with that. The, the difficulty when you look at recovery, it's not always what you think. And the way that we wrote the uncovery, we wrote it to deal with specific things like addiction to, a, a, that might be drugs, alcohol, porn, anything like that. There are lots of ways to define addiction. It might be struggles with your mental health. And I'm not just talking like your diagnosable schizophrenic. I'm talking like, do you sure. struggle with anxiety? Do you struggle with fear? Do you struggle with anger? Do you struggle with any kind of mental health struggle that keeps you from living life to the fullest? 
Um, you know, studies show that more than 80% of the global population is struggling with some sort of mental, undiagnosed mental health issue. It's probably more than that, but it's really probably part hundreds, of right? I know it's it's part of the human condition, I believe. As I, I love the the analogy that I think I read this first from Richard Rohr. It might have been Rob Bell talking about how we are. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings trying to have a spiritual experience. And right. if that's really true, there's this dissonance between the natural mm. temporal world that we're living in and the spiritual world, which is our reality, which is our higher calling and purpose. And so in all of that, when you have thoughts about it, or when you have struggles with addiction, struggles with your mental health, or even things that don't seemingly make sense, like thoughts of self-loathing or even self-harm or suicide, when even thoughts about these kinds of things represent a disorder in our spirit that we're being called into deeper healing from. But the problem is within the context, even of the church, which should be a safe haven for sinners, not a country club for saints, in the context of the church, we have not created very safe spaces for people to admit that they're struggling with anything. In fact, we've created environments where people are told to show up, look your best, present yourself well, because, wow, we got to step out and save some souls. And in order to do that, we got to look like we've got our stuff together. It's never really accurate, <laughs> and it's not sustainable, at least. But there are many churches out there that are now embracing ideas like the uncovery or at least looking at the way that we've been doing church and the way we've been doing recovery for all these years and saying something is not working anymore. We're going to have to try on not, it's not about like saying, let's chuck out our faith. Certainly not. But what if we embrace ideas of grace that look like vulnerability, that look like really looking at things with non-judgment, that look like stepping out to love people radically in ways that the rest of the world would look at us and think we were nuts for how we love so radically. This is what the uncovery calls you to. Now, I'll be, I'll be straight with you. Not everybody is called to go live like George A. Wood in Tampa, Florida on a, in a community of like 100 people that are all in deep recovery from something. I always tease George. I'm like, dude, you live in a commune. He's like, yeah, basically. <laughs> in the healthiest context of it. Not nice context. Not everybody is called to that. My husband and I live on 10 acres in, in rural Ohio. But recovery is for both of us. And we are both called to love and lead people through recovery to point to them, to point them to the hope that we have found in Christ Jesus. Now, it's really no different than spreading the gospel because recovery is the gospel. <laughs> it is the gospel. <laughs> and when yeah. you see it that way, you're like, oh, that makes sense. This is really just part of the Great Commission. And this is another unique and very timely way for the church to step up and step out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so can, Duke, can I, I want to add something. I think, you know, um, Duke, I was on your show probably eight months ago. Um, I, I think it was about eight months ago when I came on. Yeah. I had just came yeah. off of my sabbatical. And, um, you know, I, this has been a very life transformative year for me. It was, it's, you know, we're going on one, one year ago um, next week is when I left the Timothy Initiative, the organization that I founded mm. um, 14 years prior. And I was in a serious mental health decline. I was going through a, a sort of a breakdown of sorts. Um, and, um, 
very, very, I was very unhealthy in, in so many different ways. Um, I, like I, I said before, I didn't, I didn't relapse on drugs or anything, but I, I was in every other way. I was not who I wanted to be. And it made yeah. me realize this, this fact that I think is a new thought for me. And that is how often do we think about who we are and who we want to be? And, and do you have a picture of who you want to be as a man or as a woman? Um, beyond, I'm not talking about, um, I want to make sure my kid's college fund is paid for. I want to make sure I have my you know 401k taken care of. I want to make sure I got retirement benefits done and healthcare. Not that. Those are things. Mm -hmm. But how often do we think about who we are? And are we the person that we want to be? And, and I don't think that we really challenge ourselves on that level very often. And, and I say that to say recovery is about realizing the things that are preventing you from being that person, the person you could be if you were everything God called you to be and you were everything God destined you to be. Not the things you do or the things you have, but just simply naked before the Lord mm -hmm. as a person. Who are you? The way you are, the behaviors you have, the tendencies you have, the way that you react to things, the way that you interact with people, the way that you interact with those that you don't know, those that you do know. Are you loving? Are you caring? All of these things. And I think that church has done a really good job of teaching us to mask those things. And it's mm. not until we go through a breakdown, much like I did a year ago, that we realize that maybe I'm not the person I want to be. Wow. That's where recovery comes in, because then you can start to identify what is preventing you from being that. Do you watch too much TV? Are you a workaholic? Do you, mm. do you have much of an emphasis and a passion for money? Do you care more about um, being right in an argument with your wife and you don't know why? Do you care more about, you know, um, being submissive to your husband, but you don't know why? I mean, there's there's tendencies we have as human beings that are linked to the behaviors and, and to the experiences that have happened to us throughout our lives. And if we don't see that link, we can never be free from the things that are that have us bound. And that is how recovery can begin to be for everyone, because it's not just about, you know, addiction. It's about who I want to be as a man, how mm -hmm. I want to be remembered as a man, yeah. as a father, as a friend, as a leader, as a husband. And am I free from all of those things that are binding me in a way that is preventing that from happening? Mm -hmm. And I think if, mm -hmm. if anything I've learned this year, it's like we all need to take a deep breath a step away and look at ourselves honestly in that mirror and say, am I that person? Am I the person God was yeah. pleased with? And forget your Sunday service, yeah. man, because <laughs> your Sunday services teach you to behave in a certain way that fits into a group of people that are acting in a similar way. Forget all that. Strip all that away. Yeah. And then who are you? And that's when we find the real need for a sense of recovery for all of us. 
Amen. And 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 uh, the grace of God is so amazing because it it works on both sides of the equation. So, you know, when we're operating from a place of of grace, we can give each other grace. You know, we can like if we're taking a grace based approach to people, we can say, um, okay, you're struggling with something. Let me help you. I, I said on a podcast earlier this week about. Uh, some something like you know the 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 stance of the church in mental health it basically it's gotten a lot better but there's still mm -hmm. a lot of you know stigmatized stuff out there that we need to continue to break break down those walls of but i but i said something to the effect of you know for a long time in the church like mental health issues it was either you were either looked at like you were overly emotional or you were mm -hmm. demon possessed mm -hmm. And it was like, well, maybe there's this middle area that a lot of us <laughs> fall into where we actually have some real need to 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 experience recovery and to walk together, as you say, in community. And it's the mm -hmm. power of of community to heal trauma. And I mean, the scripture even says that we've all come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's brought mm -hmm. us all out of darkness. And so all that time that we spent in darkness and, and a lot of times, even coming into into Christ, we still kind of there's still areas of, of darkness in our lives that we're still, you know, stuck in or struggling to be free from or whatever. But it's like those things, they they need to be healed. And so the grace of God, when we walk in grace and community with one another, we can give each other grace to say, hey, I'm going to walk with you because I know you're struggling and we can give each other grace in that sense. But the grace of God also does the uh, on the other side, it works with what you're talking about, George, about, you know, recognizing doing like if I'm evaluating my life and I'm and I'm asking those questions and I'm kind of doing that hard work to say, you know, am I living up to this standard? Am I being the man? Am I being the woman that that I'm called to be, that God created me to be, that God made me to be a legalistic approach would say, well, I've got to change it will, it'll kind of like shame me into changing things in my life so that i can be better but walking in the grace of god i recognize you know what god i might not even know what it what it means to let this thing go i might not know what that looks like or how to do it but i know that your grace actually empowers me to walk into that next level of freedom because you've mm -hmm. set me for you've given me freedom you've done it for me and so now I'm learning how to live in the light and in the reality of what you've accomplished for me. And so I'm becoming, I'm discovering who you've created me to be. I'm discovering my purpose. I'm discovering my identity. But when we, when we take a grace-based approach to this, to life, to recovery, to learning how to, you know, walk in the fullness of the freedom that that's been made available to us in Christ, as opposed to doing it from a legalistic perspective, because mm -hmm. the legalistic perspective, what it does is really, as you said, it, it causes me to learn how to look really good with a mask that makes everything look okay. Meanwhile, inside, I'm not actually being transformed because I'm relying on a legalistic approach rather than than, mm -hmm. than trusting in the grace of God to actually empower me to be free from this. Mm -hmm. So it's as you were talking, grace I was just thinking about, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You go ahead, Duke. You were about to say something. You were said. Now, just as you were talking there, I was just, I was just thinking about, about the, about that. I was thinking about how, when we, when we yield to the grace of God, when we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, there may be a process of. I mean, it, it may take us years to walk this thing out. It may, it may be very like for some people, it's very, very quick. <clears throat> for some people, in addiction. <clears throat> Excuse me, I shouldn't be drinking coffee on the podcast. The, the, <laughs> the cream messes me up. But anyway, 
it's like when we walk through um what was i trying to say there oh it like the, the, what it looks like is different for everybody how long it takes is is different for everybody mm -hmm. and it's not that i don't even think that it's one that's better than the other it's just are we are we yielding to the holy spirit in our lives and one of the things that i really really love about what both of you are saying and i think what what both of these these books help people to accomplish is reducing that barrier to entry into recovery because mm -hmm. it's like if I, if we can make this as practical as you guys are making it and where it's an you, you said it's an invitation where in mm -hmm. it's it's inviting you into a lifestyle of recovery in, inviting you mm -hmm. into a lifestyle of walking in freedom this is not mm -hmm. inviting you into something where it's like well you got to fix this and change this and stop doing this and then get, it's like no 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 that's like the opposite mm -hmm. way to do this it's it's we're inviting you into a lifestyle where you're actually transformed from the inside out so that you can walk in this freedom. And so I love, yeah. you know, I, I love that. Because um, a lot of people, I think, sorry, I'm talking so much, but, okay. but for a lot of people, I think that the that the problem is if, if I've been struggling with something for, for years, I can stand in a place where I can recognize I know that I need to be free. I know that I need to be doing something different. This is not the way to live my life. And I know that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking at where I am and looking at the standard of what other people are saying is what I should be. And that gap is like so big that I can't figure out in my mind how to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Then I end up, I think, getting into despair. Mm -hmm. I feel even more ashamed. I feel even more pressure. And mm -hmm. what has been the like, and then so what do I do? I probably continue to perpetuate the cycle that I'm in because it was because of that shame and that pressure and because of these different things that I probably ended up doing a lot of the stuff that I'm doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it just seems like sometimes for me in my mind, I can't reconcile the the that that transformation that has to happen. So the barrier to entry for me just seems too high. And so I back off. But what you guys are doing, and I think this one of the reasons why this conversation is so important is, no, we're inviting you into something that none of you can't do it in your strength and I can't do it in my strength. But if we rely on the grace of God and we do this together in community, we can get there together. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think um, there's twofold. You have the person that like you're just describing, Duke, where, it, you know, they think of it's too, the chasm is too far wide for me to make any attempt to try to change. But then there's the other side where, you know, as a, I've been a pastoral care counselor for many years now, and I've worked with a lot of pastors and even churches on through traumatic um, situations. And it's really disappointing sometimes, um, but you realize when you get, you know, as a counselor, you get a a picture of what goes on behind the scenes in a person's lives. And it's amazing the things that go on in people's lives that they really don't think is wrong because people don't know about mm -hmm. it. And it's like, wow, at least the heroin addict is like aware of the fact that doing heroin is bad. Mm -hmm. But you think as long as the public doesn't know you talk to your wife like that, that it's okay. The fact that you... Yeah treat your children the way that you do you because you look good outside the house it's okay but you've got no knowledge that you're just freaking jacked up worse than the guy on heroin and you're a pastor yeah. leading a congregation that is completely immature 
and should not be leading to anyone. But you look at your sermon sound snappy. You got those quotes, but damn, man. And the and, and I'm hoping we get people to pick up the book so they can realize that, like, oh, I was abused as a child. And now that I can have a reason for acting this way, I can begin to work on healing how I act. Because I just think that there's so many people that are in hiding that are, you know, that are not even close to being at the point where they want to change, but they think it's too hard. They're just stuck on, I don't need to change. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I don't know, man. I just, I've come to the point where I don't want to die and, and be on my deathbed and be like, I, I did not live a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. And I just think a lot of people are going to be there. And, and I think this book can help you from ending up there because at the end of your life, you're going to realize you could have let a lot of things go that would have given you a ton more freedom and you have a choice to make in whether or not you begin to let some of that stuff go. Wow. And I just hope people do, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about this conversation and one of the big misconceptions about recovery is that you never do actually arrive. You never do actually get to a place where you're like, I'm so completely free of this. I don't even think about it anymore. It's not even, I can't imagine it was ever part of my life. I'm not going to say there's no instances of that. Like at least what we hear on the surface, like we're really used to the things you think of in recovery are the people who come up and give a testimony and say, I came forward for healing for alcoholism. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I just got struck of it and I never touched the stuff again. I want to believe for that kind of stuff. And I, I, I believe in miracles and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but most of the time it's a lifelong journey, not necessarily a full on lifelong struggle, but understanding the journey and that it may be something that's always a part of you, not because you're doing something wrong, not because you're not completely healed or completely delivered, but we go through what we go through so we can help other people go through what we went through. And so I, I love one of the things I love about working with George and this kind of work. And one of the things that is so precious about our time when we're working together and coming up with this content is that he is so brutally honest about where he is today. He does not sugarcoat it for me. He does not present himself in a way that says like, oh, I'm so delivered. I got this all together. No, he is so honest. And he's like, hmm, really struggling with this today. But I'm leaning into my healing and I'm leading into who God is. And let's go get it. Let's go do it. But just so you know, I'm struggling with this today. And I'm like, thank you for being honest. And so he talked about a little bit about how he went through a rough season with the first book. And the second book, the devotional book, is what did it for me. And interestingly, not when I was writing it. In 2022, I kind of went into monk mode because <laughs> George and I are working and I'm just furiously writing 365 entries. And it was just enormous. And then we submit a manuscript. I take a moment to breathe. And then all of a sudden, it feels like the whole world starts to pile up on my shoulders. All of a sudden, the very things that I know that George and I have co-labored with the Holy Spirit to put forth, to produce, and to to offer before the Lord and to our people, that's all out there now. And then the gosh, spiritual warfare is still such a thing in recovery. Yeah, yeah. Because 
instantly, as soon as we said, I'm not sure, but this might be the most brilliant thing that the Lord has ever done through us. Like, isn't this, not that we're smart, but look what he did through us. We're so excited. And then all of a sudden the enemy will step in and say, are you sure he really said that? Are you sure you're really in a position to be leading anybody well? Well, what about this thing that you thought about the other day? Or what about this thing that you're struggling with? Or what about this whole new set of anxiety driver things that you're taking on? Are you sure you're going to be able to sustain that? Are you sure you're going to maintain this perfect level of leadership where you're untouchable? It's all a lie. Like we're all in recovery. And so it was this year that I had my moment to be like, hi, not okay. <laughs> Even mm. all of September off of social media, like I needed time away to say, wow, I know that I know that I know that God is good. And I know that we have tapped onto something here, but guess what? Recovery is for me too. And so the, the beauty of this work, and it comes full circle when it's like our work, it's my work, but it comes back to bless me because it's from the Lord when he says, okay, but guess what? Relapse isn't always a bad thing because it can show you how far you've come. It can help you have better context for what got you here and help you set up better systems and structures to protect your heart and your mind and your body going forward. And so... It's amazing to be in a place where we are wounded healers. We love people so much and we don't want to wait until we get to a place where we feel like we've arrived because you never really will. But that does not disqualify you from loving and leading people and just taking the very next step in front of you and sharing what you've learned with others. And I hope I'm stepping out in humility even in saying all of that, but it's my hope that people can see pieces of our journey with all of that like yeah we've been doing this for years and we still haven't arrived but we know more than we did a year ago how good God is he's so much better than we thought and he continues to prove himself as better and better and better along this journey to where yeah we're not where we were 10 years ago we've definitely come forward But now we look at our struggles, we look at the strife, we look at the things that we've gone through and we say, you know what, Lord, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but thank you. Thank you for giving me context for that, for loving me through that and for bringing me through the fire because it's refining and it's good. So, but George, you've taught me so much through this process. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, you know, I think, you know, and this is part where you don't see this in the church where Britt and I are so good together is. When I had my breakdown, she was like fully there. I mean, for me and like, it's okay. It's like, I mean, I was, ha- I had to bail on media appearances. I, I was a hot mess, but she didn't, she was there for me. And and it was, and you know, and I like to think I'm there for her. It's like, I don't care about the book. I care about you as a person. God's work will stand one way or another, but we have to be there for each other. And, and, uh, you know, I'll, 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 die before I turn on a friend or, you know, someone in need because of, you know, some little bit of fame or whatever. It's like, we have to, and that's the part the church has to work because learn, because it doesn't work the way they do it. It's like, if you don't fit our profile, then, well, then, you know, we don't want you out there talking about these things. Like God bless our publisher because either they don't watch my interviews or they're awesome because I say some crazy stuff, man. I mean, if they're, maybe they're not watching them, but if they're watching them, I'm surprised they haven't been like, okay, George, don't say this, this, or this. Like you're writing a book. How can you get out there and say these things? But, but it's reality. Right. And I want the world to know that it, 
it's okay. It's okay to struggle, but we have to be there for each other. And, and when you struggle, the people that are supposed to be closest to you can't bail on you. They have to be yeah. there, right? Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. That's, that's actually really, really cool what you're describing there. Um, even though it probably doesn't feel super amazing while it's happening, but the fact that even as you guys are collaborating together and writing this book and, and describing community and, and how to walk in this freedom and healing and, and all of it, that you're still having opportunities to, to actually experience that and to demonstrate it even even together you know like on on the level of these things that you're writing about and you're teaching about that the holy spirit's leading you through at the same time your own your own process and and god is still writing your story you know your story is still being written it's still unfolding and i always find it so interesting because i feel like the lord when we when we follow the lord when we're whether it's preparing a sermon series or writing a book or you know whatever it might be that we're that we're doing when we're actually collaborating with the holy spirit i just think he loves us so much that he's going to be trying to teach us things in the process and reveal things to us and 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 what you're describing there i think one of the things that we discover is the more we experience like the more we the more revelation we get the further we go in our journey uh, the more the more freedom we we're, we're walking in, the more mm -hmm. we're experiencing recovery. I do think our mind just becomes more and more open and aware of all the distance that we've still yet to go or, or, or how much more there is to still uncover. No pun intended. Right. Like yeah. like to still get <laughs> to still get through that process. And, and it's like it's, it's like with God, like every time we get to know him more. It's amazing. Like it's it's amazing. We realize, wow, I never realized this aspect of you, God. But it also, I think, at the same time that we're growing, like we're growing in our knowledge and increasing in our understanding. But when that happens, I think one of the automatic, um, the the results or the the consequences of that is that at the exact same time, our capacity to go to the next place expands so that as i'm as i'm experiencing growth mm -hmm. i'm also realizing hey there's more so that we're not getting to that place of stagnancy so that we're not getting to that place as you were describing there brit of of oh i've arrived or i need to arrive i need to <laughs> arrive before i can do this it's like no like i can arrive to the next stepping stone but then I'm going to recognize that, like, as I turn this corner, there's so much more available to me. And yes. because God has me on this never ending journey of growth and freedom mm -hmm. and knowledge and understanding and all the, 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 the things that are really, really cool. But it is this never ending sort of journey. And we're all on a different journey. We're all at different stages. God has a different mm -hmm. different path for, for every single one of us. And mm -hmm. so, again, it's not it's not to. It's not to feel bad about where you are. And I love that you even mm -hmm. said that, Britt, about the 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 thing about a relapse. Like to not to not feel bad, to not feel guilty, to not beat yourself up. And the Lord is definitely not doing that to you. The Lord is definitely not beating you up when mm -hmm. you stumble, when you fall. And if we can look at it the right way, it is. It's another reminder that I just need to increasingly rely on his grace. Yes. And and yes. and then when we have those moments to kind of reflect and to look back and to say, whoa, like I'm in a totally different place, like because on any given day, 
we can feel pretty crappy about where we are or what we're doing wrong. But if we could really take stock and evaluate and say, you know what, like 18 months ago, for, like from where I was then to where I am now, like if we could mm -hmm. look at it and have that 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 perspective, mm -hmm. then I, I think we would recognize that that a lot a lot has changed. A lot of yeah. a lot of growth has happened. But again, just kind of like sometimes living in the moment, we can feel bad about where we are. And that is that's the that's the voice of the enemy. It's that that voice of of condemnation. It's that spiritual attack, that spiritual warfare that is very, very real mm -hmm. that happens. And, um, you know, I think when, when the spiritual warfare, it's all or at least I, all or most of it or a lot of it is is just mental, right? It's like these mental battles, these mental attacks. Of course, mm -hmm. emotions are involved and things like that. But what I mean is the enemy is going to attack us in that level of our thought life mm -hmm. to try to get us to, you know, feel like we're not we're not growing, we're not advancing, we're not doing the right thing, we're not a good Christian, we're not a whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. anyway. I think, I think, you know, I think, um, and that's where, you know, community and the people around us matter because absolutely, spiritual warfare operates on every single level. And so we have to think of it as in every level around us has to be protected it's not just one thing so mm -hmm. if you have a community of self-righteous judgmental people around you maybe they're awesome to be around when things are great and maybe they look amazing and it's the people you want to be seen with and it's all of those things but you know in the back of your mind if you slip up they are going to crucify you well that 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 makes you fight that much harder to, to 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 stomach things and to hide things away until like you know things go horribly bad where you know it's like with especially in Brit and I our relationship it's like that's not the case right so she can come to me and say hey I'm struggling with this I can come to her and say I'm struggling with that even though we've got years worth of work tied up in these books writing mm -hmm. on this but yeah. we both know that neither one of us cares more about that than each other, right? Wow. But imagine that situation awesome. being flipped where you know the people are going to be more upset about the project than they are you. Yeah. And so how much harder that can become. Mm -hmm. And and so it, it matters the way we live our life and the people mm -hmm. we live our life with and the way that are we interact in our relationships, all that even though we don't think so, plays a part in how spiritual war warfare can affect us. Because if if the people you're supposed to be looking at to the mirror God, right, are mirroring a judgmental, self-righteous God, well, then you're going to fall into a pit of despair and shame because you're going to feel like, oh, my failure, my weakness is that much worse than it really is. Mm -hmm. And the reality is if you've got people that love you and care about you and that can lift you up in those moments, you can realize that whatever failure you have is meant to help you learn and to grow from. So that's one of the important things. Oh, sorry, George. One of the important things in our work and the juxtaposition between the two books is the original book, The Uncovery, which is harnessing the power of community to heal trauma, 
This is really designed from a community-based lens to help you look at it so that even if you do have some toxicity in your environment, or even if there's toxicity that you weren't aware of before, there are some practical tools to begin to build a trauma-informed culture. But then the beauty of the devotional is this is saying, this is all also about your own journey, walking out your recovery one day at a time and making a conscious decision to look at recovery differently. It's going to take both. It's going to take us, we, the church, looking at our systems and structures, admitting what's working, what's not working, and asking God to help us know what else might be out there that we should be trying. And then flip side, in our own walk, let's look at our life and say, what has become unmanageable? What's working well? What more might I try? (laughs) It creates nothing but opportunity corporately and individually with the Uncovery journey because there is more hope and healing to be found in shredding shame and shredding some of the stigmas that exist around the recovery space. If we understand that we're all in recovery, it actually makes it much easier for us to build relationships like the one that George and I have, to build relationships like George has with his wife, Julie, or like I have with my wife, or my my, my wife, my husband, Mike. (laughs) But either way, we now are living in a place of total transparency where the expectation is, I would rather you tell me your struggle outright than pretend like you were okay so that we can help one another so that we can be there and so that we can set up lifestyles and community spaces where we can not only heal, but build lives together that look like the promised land life that God has for us. So that's the beauty of what we're kind of trying to do full circle with the new devotional that comes out on Halloween, which is kind of fun. (laughs) Halloween, you got to dress up. I know. I I don't know what I'm going to dress up as. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Yeah. Like have like demonic associations with Halloween. And I was like, oh, how timely to have this good work come out on that day. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, Duke, I want to add something in that this may turn people off or whatever, but I, I just made the decision, you know, whatever a year ago that um, we're trying to get a message to those that are willing to understand this this new idea of recovery, um, a new way of looking at these topics, not a denominational stance, right? Yes. And so I'm, I can go, I'm, I'm speaking in a Lutheran church. I'm speaking at a Lutheran conference. I could go, I'm speaking at a revival church. I'm speaking at a non-denominational church where it's not about does my, our theology line up with every, you know, just this, it's, I don't care about your theology. We all agree mm-hmm. on the cross. We agree in Jesus. We agree in yes. these types of things. And so the idea of like this book not being written to a particular sect of like strict denominational beliefs. Instead, mm-hmm. we're trying to bring healing to those that absolutely need it. And mm-hmm. it may tweak, it's definitely going to tweak some theology if you open this book mm-hmm. up from a theological perspective. But read, please read on, because I'm sure there's going to be other entries that align with your theology and are tweaking somebody else's theology. Yep. It's not about that. It's about finding mm-hmm. an answer to the epidemic of separation that society has. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there's this epidemic of addiction and suicide and mental health, but there's an epidemic of disconnection where we can't mm-hmm. connect with one another anymore. So we didn't write this book so that 
you know, the next revival that breaks out, they can say this book is written for us or the next, you know, Anglican church can say this is book written for us. No, it's written for the church. Yes. And we're trying to express to the whole church, you know, what we're trying to say here, which is we need one another and we all need recovery in some form or another. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Preach, Thanks for preach. saying that. <laughs> well, I just, I'm, yeah, I can already, you know, you already know there's those people that have done no ministry in their life, but yet they want to sit there and pick something apart, you know, from their mm -hmm. glass house. So that's okay. Yeah. We say bring it. If something tweaks bring you, it. you let us know and we'll talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> we'll put we'll lay it all out there. Send your Well, let's let's be read. let's be trans let's be transparent here. I actually told Britt, I said, stop reading any comments to your post. Don't even, <laughs> just stop. Don't don't try to answer these people. They don't matter sure. in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> they matter. They yeah. would call you. They would call you and they would talk to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's people you don't know. You don't even know if it's a real person or not these days. No, you don't. Sometimes you it's don't. just, you know, targeted whatever. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes yep. it's a bot and sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes just for for mental health. I mean that's that's the way to go you know mm -hmm. I, I i try to always read comments and and stuff like that uh but but sometimes if if you're recognizing that the comment section is is affecting your your, your mental health your mental health excuse me you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta yeah. pull back yeah. Um, absolutely absolutely yeah yeah well you were um George, what you were just describing there, I I, th I think that's that's a that's a really beautiful thing, and and I think that I mean even the the very basis of what we're talking about is is community, and of course like we have our community that we that we live in right, and and hopefully we're all able to develop, you know, some personal community like the community that you two are describing with each other mm -hmm. where you're able to bounce ideas ideas off of each other, but you're also able to be there to help each other through you know, when it's, when it's hard and to have those people that you can be open and vulnerable with and be honest about and to share your struggles and all of that. It's, it's, it's so essential. We like pull this all the way back and zoom all the way out and, and recognize that on a grand scale, the church of Jesus Christ, like there's only one, there's only one church of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what denomination you're in. doesn't matter what all that stuff. If, if you if you like rock music in church or if you think it should be organs or if it's whatever, like if you wh whatever side of the spectrum you fall on, if you believe in the prophetic, if you believe in speaking in tongues, if you don't. But like at, at the end of the day, we're if if we recognize that these are we're we are family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And my denomination shouldn't prevent me from being able to either learn from somebody else or to be able to be there and to be supportive to somebody else. And so anything like what you described that's kind of crossing those interdenominational lines and making inroads and recognizing like, hey, this is not a Pentecostal people problem. This is not a Methodist people problem. This is a people problem. And that's yeah. what the Church of Jesus Christ exists for. We exist to 
Um, you know, even just the Isaiah 61 passage that Jesus quotes and says, this is what I came to do, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up their wounds, to give oil, the oil of joy for mourning, to give beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And, and that's, I believe, our ministry, our, the ministry of reconciliation that God has called us to as the church of Jesus Christ, not as a particular denomination or school of thought, but as the church of Jesus Christ to band together um, and and to help people to come to that place where, yes, that they're getting to know Jesus, of course, um, and and that they're being able to experience the, the freedom that was purchased for them at the cross. Yeah. And, you know, the more the more we're like divided on these things, the less we're going to see. It's like what we see, like what we see in the government. Like we recognize like poverty is not a Republican problem. It's not a Democratic problem. It's a people problem. But because we can't get past bipartisan stuff so often, nothing really, you know, we don't see enough getting done to actually help people break the cycle of poverty. And, you know, but <laughs> but as the church, uh, that we just can't we can't be bipartisan as 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 the church of Jesus Christ if we really want to see people saved and set free. Yeah, you know, I, and. It's so much of that is even rooted in insecurity, and it's not even out of loving, caring reasons. It's not even like a you know, it's a person is loving and caring and doesn't and really is afraid you're gonna go to hell or or something. They just mm -hmm. don't want to lose congregants in their church. Every you know, so we see people that do a lot of things that are really based on fear of their own attendance, and so. Mm -hmm. They, they're not comfortable with anything that may cause someone in their congregation to possibly think for themselves. And, mm. and that's the sad part because suicide, when you get right down to it, like even though recovery is for everyone, when you get right down to it, suicide and hardcore addiction and hardcore mental health problems does not discriminate. People from mm. all walks mm -hmm. die by suicide every single day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, last year, over 50,000 people died by suicide in the United States. 50,000 people. OK, do you realize that, like, there's never been anywhere close to that number? OK, we crossed 100,000 deaths by drug overdose two years running last year and the year before. So that's 150,000 people every year that are dying. Deaths that should have been prevented. And and now, and here's what the interesting thing to me is that last year, for the first time ever, deaths by suicide of the younger generation went down 6%, okay? But death by suicide for people over 60 went up by 9%. So the older generation, which is who? Church congregants in a lot of these churches, right? We know that churches have declined. We know that's happening. We know the younger generation isn't coming into churches. So now we're seeing the gray hairs end their life on their own at an alarming rate. That is church people. And so we don't have time to bicker about the theology behind what the entries in this book say are. You need yeah. to like wake up and recognize that people will not be alive tomorrow that should have been. And you're arguing about whether or not we believe in water baptism by submersion or sprinkling. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Seriously? 
So that's the, the heart of this, even though recovery is for everyone, at the heart of it, though, people are dying. And they're dying at an alarming rate. And it can be prevented. And we, the church, are supposed to be the answer. And we can't get along with ourselves. So mm-hmm. it's a problem. Well, well, I mean, I, I can. Sorry, man, you get me on my whole high horse. I'm going to go. <laughs> this has been National Recovery Month, right? National Recovery Month and Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And yes. I put out a small fundraiser to try to make a suicide prevention video. And out of the 15 churches I approached, one of them gave. And I wasn't even, I don't care if you gave 20 bucks, 25 bucks, but it's like, they can't give. And they're not doing, and believe me, I know the churches, they're not doing anything on their own for suicide prevention. They're not even talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like this type of mentality, like, yes, let's just ignore the problem. Let's ignore the problem. Right. But people are dying, right? And, and how long can we just sit there and, and ignore the problem? And it all ties, everything is connected. And when you look at why the younger generation is walk, is fleeing from churches and not willing is because they see hypocrisy. They don't see love. They don't see care. They see a people divided in our churches. And so, I mean, we've got to get beyond just being aware of things like recovery month and suicide prevention. And we have to like do something. We have to actually have to act on this and do something about these problems. And we, the church, we're supposed to be that answer. And I don't think we're going to see the younger generation start to come into our churches until they see us, the older people leading these churches, actually live out what we say we live out and believe. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I think I think with our younger generation, I think we have such an incredible opportunity because I think the, the younger generations today are just they're so they're so poised and like I, I, I think receptive to authenticity um, to, to something that's that's real. And so when the church decides to actually be the church that Jesus came to initiate and to stand on the authenticity of, hey, like I'm here to demonstrate my father to you. And he is the definition of love. Like this is this is who God is. And so I'm going to get in between you and your accusers and, and I'm, I'm going to open the eyes of the blind and I'm going to speak into your life, truth and life and and yes, I'm going to call you higher, but I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to beat you up. Uh, y- you know what I mean? Like when when the I, I just think that the world and particularly the younger generation and the older generation, too. I mean, everybody, because as you said, I mean, they're obviously the older generation. If the suicide rate is increasing, it's like there's something there's a need there that's not being met. And so I just think as the church of Jesus Christ, like we have such an opportunity today to really demonstrate authenticity to demonstrate authentic love to demonstrate you know some something that's that's real and tangible and it's i think it comes in the form of community everybody wants it everybody needs it not everybody knows how to admit that that's the thing that's missing in their life or whatever but we all we all need it we all need people 
Um, we all we all need each other and, and not like this thing, like not in this form that's like, you know, I don't know, like spoon fed and not in this form that I mean, people might come like you can attract young people, right, with like lights and fog machines and short sermons and activity. Like You can attract people with different things. You can attract different age groups by appealing to the things that they might be interested in, their music interests, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But they're not staying for those reasons. They're not getting planted for those reasons. They're getting planted and they're going to stay when they see an authentic demonstration of what the Bible actually talks about, because it's still just as relevant yes. today as it's always been. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Fully agree. Okay. Well, hey, guys, before we 100% run out of time, um, where can people go? So the Uncovery, of course, the the Uncovery, Understanding the Power of Community to Heal Trauma, is fully available. Uh, Amazon, everywhere books are sold. Let us know uh, specific places where people can go to find that. But then also, mm -hmm. the Uncovery devotional is available for pre-order. comes out at the end of October. So mm -hmm. just share some links and info on where people can go to get this stuff and, and yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, right now, the pre-order is available on Amazon. You can go there for the Uncovery devotional and you can go to theuncoverybook.com for the Uncovery or to Amazon um, for that book. Currently, you can also pick up right now. We have a small group guide that goes along with the Uncovery that is available on Amazon. Um, it is 10 chapters that come directly out of the Uncovery but it also has entries from the devotional that are in each chapter. So you can pick that up on Amazon as well. Yep. So and then if you want to connect with either me or George, George is at georgeawood.com and I'm just at brickeaton.com. So feel free to look us up, come hang out. Send, <laughs> yeah. send, send all your, your disagreements and uh, nasty <laughs> questions to George A. Wood and send all yes, your, your fluffy, fun comments to Britt. <laughs> yes, that's our new stance, man. I will answer you or I will send somebody to your house. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so very much for joining me. It's it's just always such a pleasure talking with you one-on-one. -on -one. And I know we've been talking about doing this for a little while. And I appreciate you guys taking the time, making it happen in the midst of all the, the busyness and craziness of, of the season that you're in. And it was just such a blessing and and really an honor for me to be able to chat with both of you together. And uh, I just I just want as many people as possible to be able to get their hands on both of these books and to really glean from it. It's for uh, I'm 100 uh, percent in agreement that it is for everybody. If you feel mm -hmm. like you need recovery at this moment or not, like it's for you because it's going to mm -hmm. help you walk other people through it. And probably if you think you don't need recovery, by the time you get through the first couple of chapters, you're going to realize, oh, maybe I do need some recovery. So, so check it out and, uh, and yeah, go to those places and um, send in your questions and uh, keep the conversation going. So George yeah, and was, Britt, appreciate you guys. Sorry, go ahead. Duke, let me add, let me add one last thing. Also, um, you know, really this time around, we're really trying to also promote, like if you want to have Britt and myself come out and speak at your church, um, please mm. give us a call. You can read, you know, contact either one of us at our websites. Um, you know, we already have a couple speaking engagements lined up and we want to do more. And so we really want to bring this message from the uncovery and the uncovery devotional 
to congregations everywhere. So please contact us so we can make that happen. Amen. Love it. Bless you guys and uh, listeners. Bless you as well. Appreciate you so very much. And I uh, hope to see you guys back for a future episode. Check out the Uncovery and the Uncovery devotional. Bless you guys. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>